Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 Pacific time, 7.40 if you're in mountain time, 8.40 if you're in Texas time, 9.40 if you're Michigan and East Coast time. If you're here live, then you know the right time to be here. And if you're picking this call up on SoundCloud... As a podcast, put in S-O-U-N-D-C-L-O-U-D, put in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90, and these calls will pop up. They're now archived back more than nine years. With that being said, if you get your podcast through a different podcast service other than SoundCloud, again, if you put in Frank, Lomas, TR90, or Solutions, the digit four, anti-aging, they will pop up as well. Uh, Frank says he's been seeing them showing up on some of the other podcast services, so that's something we wanted to be sure to share with you so that, you know, if you ever miss us live, you can always go back and listen to wonderful one of the wonderful ones in the archives. For those of you that don't know who I'm, I am, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon, and I'm welcoming you to this call on the 23rd day of February 2022, and that TR90 program, when you first start out, is that one really good clean, lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at least three of those meals. If you're a larger person, you may need to increase the number of grams per meal or add a fourth meal with 30 grams of protein in it. Taking your supplement 15 to 20 minutes before a meal is optimum, but if you're not able to do it, Take them with your meal because it'll still work. It's just not quite as effective as it would be if you had it in your system on board beforehand. Seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. That gives you some micronutrients, some macronutrients, and fiber. And most of us need about 45 grams of fiber to keep things moving through our systems and really keep our systems at peak operation. And the closer you get your fruits and vegetables to what I call the source or their natural state, the better off you are. Um, That's not to say that applesauce isn't good. It's just that there's more nutrients and fiber in the raw apple than there is in the applesauce because some of those things live in the skins of your fruits and vegetables. Seven to nine hours of rest daily so you get plenty of rest. Um, that does many things while you're sleeping. Your body does a, a series of system resets while you're sleeping. And the better the rest, the better you'll feel in the morning, the better decisions you'll make. Um, things look a lot better when you have adequate sleep. And so it's one of those things that's really key to make sure that you're in really good health. Drinking plenty of water to stay hydrated. The current thinking is at least one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. If, for instance, you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking 50 ounces of water daily. If you're in a humid area and perspiring a lot or exercising heavily, then you'll need to increase that to offset the dehydration. If you think you're hungry, chances are it's already dehydration starting to set in. That's usually when I grab a glass of water, drink that, wait five minutes, see if I'm still hungry, and 
and make my decisions going from there. So that's a little bit of pre-planning I do on my part. Besides carrying around veggies in a little snack bag with me or nuts for my snacks, that was a couple other things that I do to to make sure that I always have something with me that's good for the TR90 lifestyle. It is a lifestyle change. Getting in that 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week. I personally try to mix it up between both the weight-bearing and the strength-bearing and the aerobic just because I want to make sure that I'm well-balanced as I get older. And it has served me well so far, and until I figure out otherwise, I will continue to do that. You can decide to do what you would like to do, but that's what I do. So that is the TR90 program in a nutshell, and I've been sharing some information with you that helps support our TR90 lifestyle out of a book currently that is called Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. It was written by Robert H. Lustig, L-U-S-T-I-G, M-D, M-S-L, and I told you yesterday we'd be getting into a new chapter. Well, this one is called A Call for Global Sugar Reduction. And the uh, little vignette he has at the top says, This unprecedented meeting, the first ministerial conference of non-communicable diseases, is evidence of a new and positive trend. The world is paying attention to non-communicable diseases as never before. Chronic diseases influenced by diet, tobacco consumption, and other individual behaviors were long thought to be diseases of affluence. This is clearly not the case. The World Health Organization estimates that nearly 9 out of 10 people who die from non-communicable diseases under the age of 60 live in the developing world. They have less protection from the risks and consequences of these diseases than people in the developed world. This was a quote from the UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon to the first global ministerial conference on healthy lifestyles and non-communicable disease control, Moscow, April 28, 2011. On September 20, 2011, In New York, the U.N. Secretary General lowered the boom, the world is dying. Not of the plague, not of influenza, not of Ebola, not of AIDS, non-communicable diseases, i.e. heart disease, diabetes, cancer, dementia. In other words, the metabolic syndrome is now a greater threat to the developed and developing world than than is infectious disease. This is quite a paradigm shift. The reality is that every country that has adopted the Western diet, now the industrial global diet, has witnessed rising rates of obesity and metabolic syndrome. Furthermore, economic development means that the populations of low- and middle-income countries are living longer, which is a good thing, but there are more susceptible to these diseases which is a bad thing. Currently, there are 30% more obese than undernourished people on the planet, 
and 80% of the deaths from heart disease and other non-communicable diseases occur in low- and middle-class, middle-income countries. The UN announcement targets tobacco, alcohol, and diet as the central risk factors in non-communicable disease. The first two, tobacco and alcohol, by everyone's estimation, are the most prevalent and dangerous chronic exposures on the planet. Both are regulated by governments around the world to protect the public health, not just for the abuser, but also for the innocent bystander as well. (coughs) Alcohol has a long history of governmental control extending back to ancient China. When an attempt was made to curb alcohol's promotion of unruly behavior and property damage. More recently, the efforts of MADD or Mothers Against Drug Driving and other advocacy groups have promoted efforts to curtail drunk driving more to protect the innocent bystander than the drinker himself. Public outcry works. Tobacco is more recently regulated not just because of lung cancer, but also to curtail the dangers of secondhand smoke. But what, if anything, about diet should be targeted? And why? This is a little more complicated. Unlike tobacco and alcohol, we need food. What aspect of Western diet should be targeted for intervention? Denmark took the first plunge despite the fact that obesity isn't a huge problem there. The Danes first chose to tax foods high in saturated fat, even though most medical professionals no longer believe that fat is the primary culprit. After all, look where such a belief has gotten us. But now Denmark is ready to tax sugar as well, which, as you will see, is a much more plausible and defensible step. Do we really need to restrict sugar? After all, sugar is fun, sugar is family, sugar is pleasure. Coke's 19, uh, 2009 tagline is open happiness. Now is going a bit too far. Maybe pleasure on a good day, but there's nothing happy about sugar, and this book documents the unhappiness that sugar has wrought worldwide. In 2003, a landmark book called Alcohol, No Ordinary Commodity laid out the four criteria that the public health community established to justify the regulation of a substance, unavoidability, toxicity, abuse, and cost to society. Alcohol and tobacco easily meet these criteria. But what about sugar? My colleagues Laura Schmidt, Claire Brindis, and I evaluated the effects. Sugar is now the most ubiquitous food stuff worldwide and has been added to virtually every processed food, limiting consumer choice and the ability to avoid it. Approximately 80% of the 600,000 consumer packaged foods in the United States have added caloric sweeteners. The only way you can avoid it is if you grow your own. Many schools have removed soda from their vending machines, but they still serve juice and chocolate milk. When you were five, would you opt for water over chocolate milk? I can tell you, having seen the kids in the cafeteria when they're picking out their food, they go for the chocolate milk every time. And in 
40% of schools in California, there is no drinking water fountains. So again, your children don't get to choose and can't avoid the sugar. Daily sugar intake in many countries now tops 400 calories. If a calorie is a calorie were true, the obesity and metabolic syndrome were a result of empty calories, the mantra of eat less, exercise more would stand. But sugar is not empty calories. The fructose component is a toxin by itself, a chronic one, a dose-dependent one, but a toxic nonetheless. We know about the ill effects of smoking and prolonged alcohol use. Every single disease or condition of metabolic syndrome is driven by fructose, including hypertension, through increases in uric acid, high triglycerides, and insulin resistance, through the synthesis of fat in the liver, diabetes, via increased liver glucose production, combined with insulin resistance, accelerated aging due to the damage to lipids and proteins, likely cancer due to DNA damage, high insulin levels, and the fact that some cancers seem to use fructose preferentially for energy and likely dementia through insulin resistance in the brain. That does not sound good to me. Sugar acts on the reward center to encourage subsequent intake. Whether it fits the criterion for addiction is irrelevant. The stuff is abused. You get hooked on it at an early age. It's harder to kick the habit after years of prolonged usage. There are now numerous human studies examining the dependence-producing properties of sugar. By reducing dopamine signaling in the brain, the reward center, and the pleasure derived from food is reduced, increasing tolerance, compelling the individual to consume more. And when the sugar is stopped, symptoms of irritability, in parenthesis, withdrawal, become apparent. I think I'm going to stop there for today, and I'll pick up tomorrow what some of the cost to society is. This is Susan Mann for February 23rd, 2022, signing out. If you have any uh, thoughts or comments, feel free to share them. And at the top of the hour, we have um, on Facebook, One Team Global Live, one of our leaders sharing information on how to to build a new skin business if that's something you're interested in. With that, I'm going to take us off mute so we can say goodbye to each other and have a really super day. Stay safe out there. So there we have it, why we need to reduce that sugar in our diets, because it is killing us. That is so scary, you know. Um, it, it just, thank you, but it, it's really, you don't think about it, even though you know you need to do it, but you don't realize that it's like a drug, which it is, and that it's really messing with our bodies. Yeah, the ramifications behind the interactions is just, it's astounding. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. Well, you know, that's that's why it's more important to, you know, use things that will still keep our food good, but not necessarily adding sugar to it. So 
That's where some of your herbs and spices come in because, like, the aniseed will make things taste sweet. The cinnamon will make things taste sweet. And vanilla will as well. So those things will sweeten things naturally without adding those extra things that we don't need. Well, like you said, it's in everything. Yeah, unless you go right to the, you know, the raw food and then you start there and you work your way towards, you know, where you're comfortable. Eliminating the sugar seems to be the best thing to do. Or maybe not eliminate it, but reduce it significantly so that it's not affecting us. Thank you, Susan. Oh, you're welcome. Getting ready to go out in the weather. Not on my, uh, stay stay <laughs> warm out there. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to let everyone go so that we can get out and get some fresh air. I know we're going to have beautiful sunshine, even if it's going to be windy and very chilly where I'm at. Hope that you have nice weather where you're at and can get some fresh air into your lungs today, too. Have a great day, one and all. Thank you.